turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. The words of Jesus here are, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Tonight we're going to share the purpose of the church. And as I give that for the subject on the church tonight, some may be saying, hey, I've got this already. I, I know the purpose of the church. And maybe there's a thought that we really don't need a lesson on the purpose of the church, possibly. But we would be surprised how many profess Christ, how many are on the membership roll who do not know the purpose of the church. Or the number of those who do know the purpose of the church, yet we lose our focus on what the true purpose of the church is. So for a few minutes as we get started, let's consider what is not the purpose of the church. It's it's not a place to play. And I'm not trying to contradict myself from last lessons when I call the church a place. The church is is the people when they're together. But the church is not a place to play. Shelly and I visited our new church camp several months ago, and we went and toured the facility. They, they went and they showed us the worship room, the cabins, all of the recreational activities, and, and different things around the individual cabins, counselors, and I mean speakers, and things like that stay in. We, we saw everything. They were very thorough and gave us a lot of information And I jokingly said at the end, now, I saw something, ma'am, and it's of great spiritual importance to our church, and I'm going to have to ask you about it. And she looked at me kind of funny, and I said, the basketball court. There's a goal at one end, but there's not a goal at the other end, and that's a big problem for our church. And when she finally realized I was, I was joking, she, she let her shoulders down and had a good laugh with me. I, I take after my dad like that, trying to uh, be serious about something silly. And, but you know, I probably shouldn't be silly about that at all and, and, and say that that's of great spiritual importance to the church. It's a harmless joke in one way, but in another way, you know, many people are concerned about things like that, 
more than pleasing Christ. I'm talking about recreation and different things in general. Not that there's any problem with that. It, it blesses my heart to think of young people who, who stay at the church on Sunday night and have a good time of fellowship and they love to play volleyball and, and basketball together. And, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with some recreation. But, you know, there, there's a 24-hour there's a some kind of recreation fitness center in this area. You can go there at 3 a.m. You can go there anytime you want. You can play basketball. You can swim. Uh, uh, I don't know if badminton's still around. You can probably do that. You can play tennis. You can do whatever you want there all the time. And that's, that's fine for that place, but that's not what the church is to be. It's not to be some big recreational facility. The early church wasn't a place to play nor should God's church be the place to play as far as the purpose of the church. And concerning the purpose of the church, it's not a platform for politics. Political engagement and lawmaking, and, and to try to, to be into that as a church, look, that will not remove the wickedness that is in this world. It was actually the mixing of legislation and religion that caused such a bloody persecution in the Middle Ages. Or, or you take the, in the colonial days, there was a time whenever, you know, there was, there was a tax that was put on uh, supporting a state church. And so the church is not a place for that. I don't know what you think about, you know, Billy Graham and his ministry, and, and there are different opinions on him, but I will say this about him. He fought a temptation that tried to distract him from his ministry all through the years, and it was political. I even heard, and I don't remember who it was that was running for, the, going to run for president, and I don't know if this man was joking or serious, but he was sitting with Billy Graham, their wives together, and he said, I would love to have you as my vice president. And Billy Graham's wife kicked him under the table because she knew his temptation was politics, and it would take his mind off of Christ. You know, Jesus never tried to use political avenues to change the world. So what is not the purpose of the church? Also, it's not for post-sin problems. And what I mean by that, I'm speaking of reformation. Reformation deals with the results of sin. That's, that's never going to solve the problem. But to deal with the cause of sin, that's what needs to be dealt with. That's where you get to the root of the matter. And reformation doesn't get to that root. Regeneration does get to the root of that matter. You know, and we could go on and on with several distractions of unscriptural movements that would hinder us from the purpose of the church. We could talk about several, but let's just get into the purpose of the church tonight. 
and make a few points on it this evening. We're all right here, basically, from the end of the Gospel of Matthew in these last few verses. The first purpose of the church I want to talk about, well, it's all one pur purpose, but in different aspects, our responsibility toward an unsaved world. The Bible has the words of Jesus here saying to us, teaching all nations. Teach all nations. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples out of everyone. Or tell everyone the saving message so they can be saved and be one. Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And look, that's in the pastoral epistles. And there is some instruction that is specifically for the pastor in the Word of God. But there are a lot of things in these pastoral epistles that are good for every Christian and for every Christian to obey. And that is one for every Christian to be an evangelist, as in to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a witness for Jesus, to tell others about Jesus. That is for every child of God. We have this responsibility. Every Christian is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with an unsaved world. This is the purpose of the church. You know, the purpose of the church begins after the hour of worship when we gather here, you could say, to go out into the world to see saved soul, soul saved after we walk out the doors of the house of God. I think about a good point, though, that Pastor Stone made this morning. You know, some people might say 90% of all church members are unsaved. I don't know about that. But when he pointed out even 5%, you know, there's, there's a lot of the work. There's a lot of this work with the unsaved to be done in the church. But definitely... When we walk out the doors of the house of God for every child of God to go out on this mission field when we leave here. Look, this is not just a citywide, community-wide responsibility of the church. It's a worldwide responsibility of the church. Praise God we have the opportunity to share in mission work. To, that missionaries go and we are able to have a part in sending them to share the power that saves, which is only in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the red letter words of Jesus say, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Our purpose as a church is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. 
That is our purpose. That's our, that's our main purpose. Look, if we are active in 30 ministries around here, and we have several programs going on, and many of the people of God working in these programs, and, and it, it looks good and it sounds good. Look, if we're not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost, with others, we have missed our mark. As our purpose for the church, we are beating around the bush. You know, we can know what the purpose of the church is, but all of a sudden we could look up, as, as any church can, and some do, hopefully, and see that they are majoring on minors. And so things that seem good in and of themselves, if the best thing isn't going on, look the doors might as well be closed of the Lord's church. And as a matter of fact, if we are not focusing on the purpose of the church, the doors may close as a result of that. Winning souls is our number one ministry, and every ministry is to have this as its main purpose. You know, we, we uh, have just started talking about uh, picking up basketball on, on uh, every other Friday night, the odd Friday nights of the month. And you know what I know before even talking about the details? There's going to be a devotion at halftime. There's going to be the sharing of the Word of God. There was before, and, and I know we will again. You know, you, you think about ministries we have and how they're, they're to be centered on sharing the gospel. You know, a van full of people are not picked up so we can have high attendance Sunday. They are driven and driven to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't have many illustrations. I don't do many visual aids. But we actually have one for this that happened this morning right up in that baptistry. Because this, was, this is a child who has been picked up in the church van and driven over and over and over to the house of God until she showed up one day and said, Brother Kenneth, I need to tell you something. I'm going to be saved right now. And I know why I need to be saved. And, and then you ask them about baptism after that. And they use a word like picture. It's a picture of our salvation or a resemblance. And they have, they have learned and they know and they get saved. Praise the Lord. This, this young lady and these kids get on and these adults get in this van. And they hear every time the door opens, get excited for Jesus. And they come to church and they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what that ministry is for. That's what every ministry is to be for. You know, you think about all through the scriptures, we are told to win souls for Jesus Christ in the scriptures. We are shown to win souls by the example of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite events to read of is the woman at the well when Jesus meets her there and wins her soul to Him. We are to be sympathetic to win souls 
because of, the, because of their lost condition. We are to be passionate to win souls because of the preparations that have been made for us for eternity, which are also for those who are lost, that they might be saved. I, I tell you what, any church that is quarreling, any church that is discontent, has a sour spirit, no desire or, or seeking personal importance or, or anything outside of, of what we should be, there is a remedy for all of these problems. Practice our purpose for existing. I tell you what, that'll, that'll help any problem. That'll help any quarrel. That'll help any bad attitude for us to do what we should be doing as the number one purpose of the church, and that is to win souls to Jesus Christ. You know, there are, there are a lot of Christians that need to get back to the basics for the, for the church. If the church isn't walking out of the house of God with minds on the mission fields, you know, again, the, the doors might as well close if that's not where our hearts are as a church. You know, I've, I've known of some churches and they're fine with the folks that they have. I forget Pastor Stone's little rhyme, something about four and no more, and they're happy with that. Something of that nature. Don't, don't, sit, don't sit in my seat in certain churches. You know, I, I've heard an attitude from, from people before. I've heard the words before. More people, more problems. As related to a church, I have heard someone use those words before. And you know what? If it's true in some cases, so what? That's part of the sacrifice. And we're, go we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that aspect of our purpose as a church in the end. But that's, that's part of it. That's part of it. No one has a chance without the gospel and an opportunity to be saved and to be part of the church. And... And more people, more problems? That, that was actually directed toward Christians. That was uh, talking about those who have professed Christ as Lord and Savior. How are they going to grow? And how is that change going to take place? If not in the church. That's the sacrifice that's to be made. And there's a deeper purpose we're going to share in the remedy for that. But first, let's go to the second aspect of this purpose we see tonight. In verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is three aspects of one purpose, but let me just interject and say something right here. These are two different things taking place. You understand? To, to share the gospel, to lead someone to Christ, and then to baptize them, this is a separate aspect of this commission. Paul says to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize 
but to preach the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is speaking of salvation, the saving of a soul. And then there's baptism as a different event. These two are clearly separate, part of the same commission. Teaching, teach all nations, and then baptism. After the salvation of a soul, the church is to baptize the convert. That is the first act of obedience that any child of God is to make. If there's anyone here who has professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life, and you have not been baptized, you may have done other things as a, as a Christian, but you have not obeyed the first thing that you are to do. And that is to be baptized, to be immersed, to show the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to show the picture of your salvation by being baptized. That's the first thing to obey. And it's so much bigger than a shy personality. It's so much bigger than someone, than someone saying, I, I just can't come in front of the church like that. Look, there's, there's always something wrong, possibly with a, the profession of faith, when people say things like that. The first thing one ought to do is to be baptized. The authority to baptize is given to the church, not to anyone else. We, a couple of folks can't just go down to the river and baptize one another. Things were lined out in the church, and the authority for all of the work of God was given to the church to do. And by the way, baptizing, this is something that the church does for the believer. It's not something that the believer does for the church. After receiving a newly saved believer, though, by their profession of faith and baptizing them, then we have our responsibility toward the church member. Look with me in verse 20 and let's read it again. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The purpose of the church has three aspects to it in the commission. Evangelize the unsaved, immerse the saved, and then educate the saved church member. You know, I have heard on several occasions, and I don't say this to be critical, just to make a point. I have heard on several occasions, different people, different churches, other places say, you know, the Spirit was moving in such a way that the preacher didn't interrupt and preach a sermon. We just had, for three weeks now on Sunday morning, the praise and worship starts, and we just can't stop. Preacher, the praise and worship has been so powerful and the moving of the Holy Spirit that the preacher hasn't preached a sermon. I, I haven't said this to everyone who said this to me, but someone I knew well, I said, if I were around, I'd have to ask him why he didn't have a sermon prepared. 
That, that had to be the case. You know, the, the supreme means of worship, as I think about a definition I've read, I've said it before and it sticks with me, with the Word of God in prayer. The Word of God in worship is a must. When educating the saints is replaced with emotionalism, which is the aim of many people groups who gather in the name of Jesus, there is a spiritual crippling taking place. When the Word of God does not go out and it is not taught, the true saving of souls, you know, it, it may be there in some cases. They've heard the gospel, they believed, and baptism may follow. But then the aim to teach and to grow the saint, it is missing in many cases. There are many children of God and their growth is stunning, stunted because the Word of God hasn't gone forth. The Bible instructs that instruction from the Word of God is to be provided for the child of God. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. You know, and then Peter turned around, I believe it's 1 Peter 5, 2, and Peter says... Feed the flock of God in those two letters that he was given to write. And then Paul says, feed the church. You know, there, there is to be hard work done in the scriptures and laboring in the word so the church can grow. You know, the word is to be depended on. For a sweet spirit in the sanctuary, give credit to the Word of God and the power of the Word of God going forth to the church member. The behavior of the believer, the harmony in the church. Give credit to the power of the Word of God when that happens. It's, it's, a, it's a hard work and it's a labor. You might say the preacher ought to feel funny saying that. I'm just talking about something of importance here. You, you know, one preacher used to go lecture at the at the seminary, and he would get the young men's attention by saying, okay, I want to teach you how to prepare a sermon in 30 minutes. Are you ready? And all these guys are going, yeah, yeah. And then the preacher took them through a process of studying that would take approximately eight hours to do. And he took them through all the steps of how to word study and, and how to do this and how to do that. And then he says, now... Once you've done that, it'll take you 30 minutes to prepare that message. He, he got their attention anyway in the beginning. And then he said, now you want to know how to study for eight hours straight? And they're like, yeah, how do you do it, sir? And he said, resist the first 10,000 urges to get up out of your seat and go do something else. I tell you, it, is, it takes a hard work and it does take a discipline in the Word of God. I say this just to emphasize that though the preacher loves to preach, it takes discipline, it takes dedication and dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit to learn, to be able to do it, to, to study and to teach. But when the preacher relies on his personality, telling a joke, some poems, some stories, 
to try to be a people pleaser instead of preaching the word to the flock of God. The the Lord's not impressed with that. And the Lord's not going to empower that. And it is going to be seen in the declining health of the church as the church continues. And all of the word of God must be preached, not just some of it. There, there's, there's someone that has, I don't know, maybe 40,000 people sitting in a building every week and millions listening. And what's tragic about it is the message is the exact same message every time. It might be a different two or three words from a different verse throughout the Bible. And it might be different stories, but it's the exact same message every time. And there's a lot of things to grieve over in that. But considering what we're talking about, the the unbalanced Christian or the unbalanced one who thinks they're a Christian or or thinks they're hearing the Word of God, The, the one who is only hearing one small thing. You know, the Lord told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 26... All the words that I command thee to speak unto them diminish not a word. You know, we share some psalms over at the villas and most of them are so uplifting and encouraging. But there's some that's about the wrath of God and, you know, the things coming and... And as I've said over there, I just can't see skipping the word of God. We need, we should share all of the Word of God. I mean, hell must be the topic of the sermon, just as heaven is the topic of the sermon. The correction for the child of God must be the topic and the focus just as encouragement for the child of God is too. The whole counsel of God is to be taught. If if only what is wanted to be heard is taught, the need of the saints are not going to be completely met. You know, it's not the teacher or preacher's responsibility if they get tuned out on certain subjects. And that may may happen uh, throughout Christianity. A subject comes up, it's Bible truth, but some don't want to hear it. You know, and and that's that's an unbalanced Christian. And... You know, unbalanced believers will be produced on on part of the council. We need all of the council. Well-rounded educating of the believer by the Bible is what we need. And hey, that guarantees three things for us as we start to close, but... And, and don't, don't let me lose you, but I'm going to read a lot of Scripture here. But we're going to look at three, three things that we see in the Word of God that, that when the Bible is taught, these are guaranteed. And one thing is the edifying of the saints. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 15... 
It's listen to the edifying of the saints by way of the word of God. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to teach the word of God for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even even Christ. Lack of doctrinal teaching stunts the growth of the saints, but the Word of God will build a strong child of God. It'll be on the Word of God. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. There is yours and mine guarantee that we are going to grow by the word of God, by reading the word of God, by the teaching of the word of God. That's where we're going to find growth. Christian character is cultivated by way of the teaching of the Word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, inasmuch assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you, for your sakes. He's speaking of their Christian character and then their Christian character. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. The teaching of the word over and over. You know, you, you keep pulling in the parking lot, and you keep walking up the sidewalk, in and out of the house of God, over and over, and the Word of God goes out over and over, and the Christian character becoming more like Jesus, what He predestined for us, that we become more like Him. And that happens by the teaching of the Word of God. So there's an edifying of the saints, but there's also the equipping of the servant and that's 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 14 through 17. And we read, But continue thou in the things, what? Which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And listen to everything the Word of God does. All scripture, what, first of all, what the Word of God is, 
all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Word of God is God-breathed. And it is profitable for doctrine, for, for teaching. It is profitable for reproof. That is correction. And that, that is, you know, a rebuking uh, when we're wrong. And then it's profitable for correction. So not only to show us when we're wrong, we don't want to just be shown when we're wrong, but it also shows us how to get it right. There's, re, there's reproof and there's correction. And then instruction in righteousness. So not only to, show, to teach us and to show us when we're wrong, but how to get it right. And then instruction in righteousness to stay right. To get on the right path and stay right. That's what the Word of God does. And that's what the teaching of the Word of God does. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect... Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Wow. You know, the evidence one was a believer before the Bible was complete was signs and wonders. That showed that one was a believer. But now, this book right here shows that we are believers. All the proof that you need that you are a Christian, you find right here. And it is right here that Christian character is cultivated in our lives by the Word of God. It should be in every service. It's part of our commission that we share the Word of God. It's for the equipping of the servants. The, the Word ignites the ability to serve. One must be taught before they can teach and work. For, for serving, for doing things for the Lord, for it to be right, for it to be blessed, there must be the Word first. You think of, of Jesus with Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they're in the kitchen. And they're both preparing something. They're both preparing a meal. That, that's good. That's a way to serve. Jesus is there. They're going to serve Jesus. And then it came time for the Word, and Mary goes over to Jesus. And she sits to hear the Word. But Martha lost her purpose for the church. She goes to Jesus and says, Will you tell her to get back in here with me to finish serving? And that's where some reproof came in. Jesus says, Nah, she hath chosen that good part. That's what you ought to be doing, Martha. It's time for the Word of God and then serve God. Let me go ahead and I'm going, after explaining that, I'd like to read it. I haven't read it in a while. It's Luke 10, 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet. She was also sat at Jesus' feet. She was serving and then went and sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, What did Pastor Stone say this morning about a name being said twice? 
Jesus says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. The Word of God and how it ignites and matures us and empowers us with the ability to serve God. But we not only see the edifying of the saints and the equipping of the servants, but the establishing of scriptural serving. In Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. There was the word of God and then the setting forth of the scriptural serving to be done. You know, what we do, why we do it, and how we do it is all of great concern to God. We must follow God's plan for service. We're empowered by the Word. It's time for the Word and then to serve. You know, some service to the Lord, is it's not going according to plan. I'm talking about in Christianity in general. And, and when it's not going according to plan, as God would have it, there's there's really going to be no positive effect from it. It's of no reward. It's, it's not even one step forward and two steps back. It's just two steps back when the service that is rendered is not in line with, with God and scripturally lined out. As we close, there's a saying from Dr. L.R. Scarborough, and, and he says 100 new converts are 100 liabilities until they are assimilated. And that word assimilated means made to fully understand and taken into the life of the church. We can't do a lot for the Lord on a little bit of Bible study. And as I say that, let me say that that's in the continue. Let me say that in the continuous sense, as in we all need Bible study. 
I would never want to say something that would make someone think that they cannot witness of salvation in Jesus Christ right after they've been saved. If you have been saved, you know how to tell someone about Jesus Christ, and you do that. And, and we grow, and we want to learn to start serving as quickly as possible. But what is always needed throughout our lives to empower the serving as a child of God to keep on, to not burn out, to do it with the right motive, right heart, the right thing in the right ways, is to be under the sound of the Word of God. Well, here we have the purpose of the church, the responsibility that we have to an unsaved world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Purpose of the church is to take those converts and to baptize them. And then that we might grow, mature, be edified, be strengthened by the Word of God continually so that we can carry out our responsibilities. So, so as we close... I guess we ought to do and take care of what the church is responsible for. That if there are any here tonight who are unsaved, that you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we pray that you would be saved tonight, that you would trust in the Lord Jesus. I will take the Word of God right here and share with you and help you with any questions that you have, that you might be saved. So we're going to have a hymn of invitation at this time. And you think about our time of invitation and the purpose of the church. Brother Nolan, would you do that? We're going to have a hymn of invitation at this time. And, and this is your time with God.